Good morning. It is Friday, March 5th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, and I'm joined right now by Jody Dimling of Cardinal Authority, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Jody is our Louisville expert, and today in our quest to do an episode in the offseason on every single Power 5 program, plus a a few group of five schools, we're tackling the Cardinals. Jody, we've had you on before, and last time I had you on previewing that Louisville-Miami game, I was in a really optimistic mood regarding Louisville. (laughs) And right now I'm doing my, my prep work and I'm like, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to upset Jody by asking him to start off and, and we're going to dive into everything into the Scott Satterfield, South Carolina drama and all that. But it feels like the arrow isn't pointing quite as up as it was a year ago and that the trajectory doesn't look as great as it should be after what was a great year one and then a disappointing year two. I think the arrow was pointing in the wrong direction last year. Maybe if that makes sense. I think I think when you look at the first two years of the Satterfield era, he's 12 and 12. And quite honestly, he could be he could have been four and seven that first year, and he could have been eight and four this past year. So they're they're kind of very similar years. And really, when you look at both of them, it all comes down to Louisville didn't fumble the ball away so many times and didn't turn it over so many times the first year. And they won a lot of close games. And then in 2020, they turned the ball over so many times. One of the worst, if not, I think it was the second or third worst in the, in, in, in all of Division One football. And they, they lost close games. And because of that, they lost close games. So it was it's kind of mirror images, the two seasons on how they uh, kind of broke down. It's just that at the very end, they couldn't overcome turnovers and, and bad things. So so while I think, yes, I think the, the, the arrow was pointing way up going into last year, I think it was probably a little masked by that good season they had. And I don't they weren't quite as good going into last year as probably we all thought they were. And I don't think they'll be quite as bad going into this year as I think most people will think they probably will be. So from eight and five to four and seven, it really wasn't that big of a difference when you take away the turnovers and you take away some plays at the end of games. I mean, in that eight and five year, seriously, there were four games that came down to the last possession, a couple of them to the last kick, the, the Wake Forest game being that last onside kick. They really, really could have been not made a bowl game that year and won only four games. And this year, it was kind of the same thing. Funny how expectations can shift things. The end of the Petrino era was so bad. Well, I don't know what the expectation was for Scott Satterfield in year one, but like three wins, four wins wouldn't have been shocking. So yeah, you're right. Like to, to go eight and five in year one, it created outsized unfair expectations in year two, but, and and then year two ends and it's like Scott Satterfield probably goes from this hero at Louisville to he's flirting with the South Carolina job. He has to release a statement about, his desire to stay, to stay in Louisville. And, and I may, maybe some of that was because fans might have PTSD with, you know, some prior coaches, but, yeah. and, and now it's like no offensive coordinator, new running back coach, new quarterback coach, new offensive yeah. line coach. So just tell me what's going on with the coaching staff. It is kind of crazy. I mean, I think, I, I, you know, look, look, the fans were, the fans were ticked off. The fans were upset. I think the administration was, uh, was ticked off and upset just the way that the South Carolina thing more than anything was handled. I think it's one thing if you if you're going to take a job, it's one thing if you're going to go and interview for a job, if you're going to talk about a job. But I think just the way it was handled and how the whole situation came down, I think it just left a bad taste in, in people's mouths. Now, with that being said, you know, and Scott Satterfield has said multiple times, and by the way, they're almost finished with spring football. So they're they're they only have 
tonight's practice on Friday will be, they'll have four left after tonight. So that, wow. that's it. They're almost finished with spring football. So they got a new, they had to hire new staff. He had to hire four new staff members and get them going right away. And, and they're already in spring football. So, uh, or almost finished with spring football. So the thing with the, the with the coaches it's kind of crazy, and I honestly do believe him when he says, and I believe the coaches. I got to know the three offensive coaches very, very well, and all three of them left for what I guess I would consider either, A, the Atlanta Falcons job for Dwayne Ledford and, and getting more money. I don't think he was going to turn that. He wasn't going to turn that down. We knew Dwayne Ledford was going to leave at some point in the next year or two. I thought it would be for a head coach of a Division One program. Instead, it go, he goes to the NFL. You look at, at Norv McKenzie, he wasn't one of the Satterfield guys. He was the running back coach, mm-hmm. and he came here with them but did not have ties to them. And he gets hired by his college roommate at his college alma mater at Vanderbilt. So, and, mm-hmm. and it moves closer. I think, it, you know, I think it moves closer to his wife's home. And, you know, and, and again, it's not that big of a difference, but it's his alma mater. And Frank Ponce wanted to be a coordinator. He wanted to call plays. And with Scott Satterfield calling plays, he was not going to get elevated to a coordinator here. I think he probably would have, had he stayed and led, and then Ledford left, he probably would have gotten the title as offensive coordinator. But he still wouldn't have been really calling the plays because that's Scott Satterfield's gig and that's what he does. So he goes back to Appalachian State. You know, he was with Satterfield at Florida National, with Satterfield at App State, with Satterfield here at Louisville. So he's a Satterfield kind of guy. You know, his wife had never moved to Louisville. She was still working in Miami and was just getting ready to make the move here to Louisville. So it kind of made sense to take a coordinator job somewhere else. So those three guys kind of went to jobs that were either paying more money or for a title. So I, I do think that, you know, there's there's this whole, some fraction of the fan base that thinks, oh, there's this great conspiracy that all these coaches don't like Satterfield and they were leaving because of South Carolina. And I don't think that had anything to do with it. I really, I really don't. Had he, had South Carolina never happened, I still think Dwayne Ledford would be with the Atlanta Falcons. I think Frank Ponce would be the offensive coordinator at Appalachian State. And I think Norm McKenzie would have gone back to his alma mater to be the running back coach. The new guys they like from everything we've heard. And again, it's kind of stinks because, you know, with spring football being so early and it being inside, we haven't had a chance to go a lot. I've been and seen some, but not a ton. But Jack Bignell Jr. is a guy who has, you know, 35 plus years experience on the offensive line and really is a good teacher and a good motivator kind of kind of guy. You know, he comes from the SEC and a few years in the SEC at Ole Miss and then last year at Auburn. And then the other two guys are young guys that he took a chance on. Pete Thomas is was going to be an assistant somewhere, I think, this year. He had been the, quali- the, the kind of the main quality control guy at Louisville for the last couple of years on the offensive line, played quarterback at NC State during college and, and several other stops during college. So they're young guys that, that he took a chance on, that he knew, that he had a familiarity with. And really, Scott Satterfield has talked since he got the job about the special sauce is what they call it. And that is the fact that the staff can get the kids together and the staff can really kind of not only coach, but mentor and be father figure type things. That's what his whole program is built on, predicated on that going into it. I don't think they were able to do that as much last season. And uh, and I think that showed 
that they weren't a cohesive unit. And I'm interested to see this year with some new staff members, maybe a little smoother transition because some of the guys they knew or, or were familiar with. I, I'm excited to see what they can do as a staff. You're a seasoned pro. You've, you've covered so many coaching searches, Jody. Did you think at some point a few months ago, you were about to have another one? Like, was this the, the Satterfield interviewing with South Carolina or whatever happened? Did that, I would imagine like you had, like maybe you had a pre-write ready or something. For about four hours, yes. That's it? Okay. <laughs> Maybe a little bit longer than that. It all happened on a it all happened on a weekend kind of thing. And late Friday night, it started to kind of rumble a little bit on that. And literally for about Maybe more than that, maybe eight hours. I'd say maybe eight hours, maybe eight hours on that Saturday. I sat down and started to do a pre-write and I was like, is this really happening again? You know, and, 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 and to go back, we knew by the time the end of the Petrino era was upon us, by the time they got to Syracuse and they used five quarterbacks and they couldn't stop Syracuse and then they got back on the buses and they left the, the carrier dome there, you knew what was going to happen. It, it was just a matter of when that was going to happen. But one like this is kind of so weird and so surreal and, you've do, and I've done them before. It's like, you don't think it's going to happen. And then you think, oh my gosh, maybe maybe there is something to this. And then you're talking to people and they're like, yeah, this is going to happen. And then an hour and a half later, you're like, they're like, no, this isn't going to happen. Same this, And the same people were saying the same thing or saying different things within an hour. So that's why I always thought, look, Scott Satterfield, I, I don't know Beth Satterfield and, and their kids. I don't know what they think about Louisville. They put on a good face if they don't like it here because his wife is on the sidelines. You know, I, I do the sideline reporting thing for for the, the the radio network at Louisville. And for the first year, obviously we didn't get to do it last year, but for the first year she was standing right there pretty much next to me the entire time and into the game. So so they put on a good a good face if they don't like it here, which I know a lot of people do. I just kept always going back to the to the fact that that he talks about the family atmosphere and he talks about the loyalty and all that kind of good stuff. And, and I also went back to the fact that he's got the best, you know, one of the best agents in the business. So it's like, how, how was this all going down? How did it kind of happen? You know, and like I said, for I'll up it to eight hours for about eight hours, I thought, wow, I'm going to have a coaching search and, uh, and was already thinking about the, you know, kind of the future. And then that changed real quick. And then it was a matter of just for Scott Satterfield, kind of some damage control. And I think he's done the right things since then. You know, they won the Wake Forest game at the end of the season to kind of give them a little bit of a lift. Had they lost that, boy, that would have been a disaster. You know, and then going into the offseason, they've gotten some really good transfers. They're in on some really good recruits. They signed one of the highest rated, as far as uh, player rankings are concerned, one of the higher rated classes that they've ever signed, uh, you know, at Louisville. They hung on to some guys, you know, they hung on to everybody in that class, you know, despite what people thought might happen to the recruiting class when all this went down. They hung on to them all, they signed them all, and then and then they moved on. So it's been a wild couple months for uh, for Scott Satterfield. I love a good Jimmy Sexton reference, and and you're right. This this 2021 class looks looks really good, and it's crazy that like it came a long way. Uh, ranks ranks 39th in 2019. Even they ranked 70th. I have two more questions for you. This next one has absolutely nothing to do with the trajectory of the program or anything, but I'm just like such a curious person. Why is spring practice so early at Louisville? Does like a Kentucky Derby like That's NCAA it. tournament? No, that's what he, that's a Satterfield. It's a Scott Satterfield thing. And, oh. and I'll, and I'll tell you what. So when he was hired, the day he got hired, I think it was that weekend 
They brought him to a basketball game and he did a little media thing, you know, before the basketball thing. And it was kind of the second or third time that we had talked to him. So it was like, okay, let's, let's get some nuts and bolts things out of the way here, coach. When's spring ball going to start? And, and, and he, and he kind of looked and he was kind of smiling and he goes thinking about a month and we were all like, what? Hold on a second. And they do have an indoor facility at Louisville and it's a nice one, but it's cold here in February. And the first year they didn't have a spring game. They had a spring extravaganza. So they opened the last practice for uh, spring ball to the public and it snowed. And it was kind of like, are you kidding me? But his thing is that you go earlier. It's you're closer to the end of the season. So guys are still kind of in that football kind of mode, especially if you go to a bowl game. You're, you know, last year when they went to a bowl game, spring ball literally started. I think it was, uh, you know, six and a half, six or seven weeks after the bowl game. So you're not too far out of that. You're not too far removed. And it also, they will finish this week or no, this this year, they will finish on March 15th is their last day. And he says that gives them more time for the guys that are injured to heal up before the start of fall camp. So really, if you and I thought at first, I was like, this isn't, but if you think about it, and that first year, they had two guys that were injured in spring ball that I think had spring ball been in April and drug out into late April kind of thing. They wouldn't have probably made it early in the year because of the surgery that they had. Those guys ended up having surgery in late February, early March instead of late April, early May. And, and so it gave them a couple months extra to kind of get ready. And so right away, it was kind of like, okay, wow, he was... He was right. That 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 is a good idea, but it it does have its pluses and its minuses, and the weather is is a is a big thing. Now they've been outside. I think of their ten so far of their ten practices. I think if I can recall, I think they've been outside three or four. Now we've had really bad weather and that really bad snowstorm and all that. So they were inside for all that. A couple of days we've gotten to go, it was snowing. So they were indoors, but they've been outside a little bit. What's the identity of this team as we wrap up? I mean, Tutu Atwell's gone. Des Fitzpatrick's gone. Javion Hawkins leading rusher. He's gone. It seems like they lose a lot. I'm, I'm not too worried about, they've been recruiting pretty well and, and Satterfield's such a good offensive mind. I would imagine Malik, Mikhail Cunningham, the quarterback, this is kind of on him to be a monster. Quite honestly, it's kind of funny that, I, that when you said, what's the identity of this team? The first thing I thought of was defensively, because, you know, two years ago, I mean, when you think about the Bobby Petrino last season in 2018, not only were they the worst team, they were the worst defensive team in the country that year. They might have been one of the worst, statistically, one of the worst defensive teams in the history of college football. I mean, I think it was five or six straight games of 50-plus points. I mean, when you look at those numbers, it was dreadful. They only had eight defensive linemen when these guys got here, when this staff got here. They didn't have any, you know, it was it was bad. They've gotten rid, for lack of a better way of saying it, they've gotten rid of some guys they needed to that were still around on defense. They've really overhauled the defense and brought guys in. You know, C.J. Avery is a linebacker who's led them in tackles for two years. He's coming. He's back for a fifth year, so he's using that extra year of eligibility. That was a big lift for them. Trey Clark, Keytrell Clark, however, he, he goes back up. They, the Louisville guys like different names. So uh, his name is Keytrell Clark, but he kind of goes by Trey Clark. He was the transfer from Liberty last year, and I think he was their best defensive player on the field last year. And from what I've heard so far through spring ball, Kendrick Duncan, who is a, a transfer from Georgia Southern, uh, was an all-conference player at Georgia Southern. I think he and Clark will be the two best defensive guys on the field this year for Louisville. They've done a really good job with the transfer portal. They've done a really good job 
of recruiting guys into positions of need on defense. Former junior college transfer, Yaya Diaby will be a breakout guy on the defensive front, I believe, for Louisville. They've got a lot of linebackers. Monty Montgomery is another one who could be kind of a breakout kind of guy for them as well. Young secondary, but very, very talented secondary. So Brian Brown's really done a good job. The only question mark that I have about them on defense is who's going to fill the middle of the defense. They don't have a great defensive nose guard kind of guy, big guy. I still think they'll look for somebody to add somebody later this spring and in this summer out of the transfer portal. But I do think that moving forward right now, defense, their identity, and I think that hard hitting kind of try to create turnovers on defense. And, and, and the running, the, like you said, the, the offense, I mean, Malik Cunningham is going to be that guy, had a, a, a so-so ho-hum kind of year because he turned it over so much. If you take away some of those turnovers, he would have been one of the, the statistically one of the better quarterbacks out there. You know, and they lose Javion Hawkins, they lose Tutu Atwell, they lose Des Fitzpatrick. They've got other weapons that that people are going to learn and find out. But I do think defensively, this team is going to be a whole lot better than most people think they will be. Most people thought that they would be. They lost. They lost six guys who started games on a consistent basis on defense, but they returned 26 guys that played a lot on defense last year. And a lot of those guys that played a lot were freshmen, two freshman safeties, a freshman corner, a couple freshmen on the defensive line. So, so they were young and they got better and better. They've improved dramatically from 2018 to 2019 and then 2019 to 2020. And I expect another improvement defensively this year. Yeah, you're not lying. I'm looking at yards per play defensively. 2018 was like 123 nationally. 2019 was in the 110 and 2020, a jump into the 70s. So that's uh, uh, speaking of trajectory as, as we yeah. a perfect little way to put a ribbon on this um, or a bow, I should say. That's the trajectory for the defense, at least is going up. Jody Dimling is a publisher of Cardinal Authority. We appreciate you joining us, Jody. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Dimling. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Daily.